Hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this message. We hope that it speaks to your life. And if you have questions, please contact us. You can contact us on the website, thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com. And then you can also call us at 580-216-6427. And may God use this message to change your life. Well, today I want to continue a series called Gain is the Name of the Game. Gain is the Name of the Game. Can you guys say that with me? Gain is the... Let's say it again. Gain... Gain is the name of the game. Um, and, and I've been using this illustration, and some of you guys are obviously in the cattle industry. I've had to simplify it just because I, I have to be able to understand it, and I want other people to understand it. Here's the thing. There are four industries to the cattle industry itself. Number one is the producer, the cow-calf guy. This is the guy that raises the calves. Number two is the stalkers. Those are the guys that, that buy stalkers uh, from the producer and they sell feeders. Number three is the feeders, right? And these are the guys that, that buy the feeders and then they produce the fats. And then you have number four, the packer or the killer. These are the guys that take the fats, in other words, the, the, the heavyweight you know, steers or whatever they are, and he takes them and he turns them into a steak and you buy it frozen at your local meat market, right? Well, here's the truth about all of the cattle industry. Gain is the name of the game. In all of the parts of the industry, they all want to gain. They all want to gain production. They all want to gain maturity. They all want to gain the marbling. They want to gain weight, okay? So again, gain is the name of the game. And in this series, here's what we're doing. We're trying to answer three questions about this scripture. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It'll be on the screen. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's say it again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so here's the questions that we're going to answer, and we've already answered a couple in this series. What does it look like to be godly? Again, the, the verse there that Paul is writing to his son Timothy, he's saying this is great gain. In other words, God wants us to be godly. And so the questions that we are answering is, what does it look like to be godly, right? What does it look like to be godly? How do we gain this godliness and how can we help others gain this godliness as well. Um, again, for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this. Number one was this, and, and I'm going to just recap this real quick to get some of you caught up. H- how do we gain godliness? Number one is this. For someone to gain godliness, they have to be told about God, right? I mean, it's obvious, but again, all of us, if not all, I, I would say the majority of us, if not all of us have, have come to know Christ and, and believe in Christ because somebody told us right? And so again, this is the church's calling. We are called to go and make disciples. We're not called to be all comfortable and sit in our church and, you know, have a good time, you know, all the time. We're called to go and make disciples, go and tell others about God. So that was number one. Number two is this, for someone to gain godliness, they must be saved. Again, a churchy word, uh, but the whole idea of being saved is this. We confess that Jesus is our Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. But we have to give our life to Jesus Christ. And so can I just reemphasize this real quick? 
I mean, again, I go to some churches and I believe that there's a lot of Christians, they, they call themselves Christians, but they claim to be a Christian because they go to church. Yeah, I, I, can I just say this? You cannot, just, you cannot get to heaven by just coming to church. Can I get an amen on that? You cannot go to heaven by giving $100,000, although you should. That was fun. See, that was a good one. You cannot go to heaven just because you dress up in a suit. You cannot go to heaven just because you don't cuss. (laughs) You cannot go to heaven just because you try hard. You cannot go to heaven just because you're a moral person. You can't, you can't get there. You can only get there through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can get there. There's no other name. Yes, there's no other name that you can get there. And so again, godliness starts with knowing Christ. Starts there. It's not something that you can gain on your own. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus' presence in your life is your only hope for becoming godly. And that's why we have to be saved. Let me just say it this way. If we're going to grow... We grow not through the pursuit. Listen to this. This is kind of deep, but I, 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 I like to get deep every now and then. We grow not through the pursuit of a process, but through the pursuit of a person. You get it? Again, you say, Bo, give me the five steps to just growing in godliness. Give me the six steps. Give me the Dr. Phil answer. Give me the Oprah answer. And give me all these answers, and I'll just live my life by this little, you know, scenario, this little process, and then I might get to heaven. No, listen. Godliness is not the pursuit of a process. It's the pursuit of a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Godliness is a life that is centered on Christ, not just being good, Right? Being good is a byproduct of pursuing Christ, not a means for gaining godliness. Do you get it? I mean, again, that's important. Some of you guys need to realize that. Some of you guys think, well, I just go to church, and if I go to church so many times, then God's going to wink, and he's going to say, you did good. You went to church. And he's going to say, come on in. No, you got you to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the bottom line. Um, and so once we've made Christ our, the Lord of our life, here's, here's what we got to answer. How do we grow? in godliness. I mean, again, our godliness is found in Christ, but how do we grow in our godliness? Well, we have to know what living godly looks like, right? I mean, we've got to know what it looks like. And so let's define godliness. You ready for this? Where do we go to find the definition of godliness? The word of God, right? The word of God, the word godly and the word godliness. Listen, It's not really mentioned a whole lot in the Bible. I mean, you don't see those words very much, but here's the truth about the Bible. The Bible in and of itself, the whole Bible has been written on godliness. I mean, everything you read in there is gonna, is gonna help you grow in your godliness. Titus 2, 11 through 14, it helps us define what godliness is. Look at it on the screen. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, listen, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a life self-controlled, upright, and godly lives 
in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, which is Jesus, to return and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is what? Good. Eager to do what is good. Again, Christ came so that we could become godly, so that we would be eager to do something that's good. And so we have two options on how we're going to live our lives, right? You got two options. One, you can be a worldly person. You say, what's a worldly person look like? A worldly person is self-centered. A worldly person is selfish. A worldly person only thinks about the things that are going to help them. A worldly person is a person that is characterized maybe by jealousy, selfishness, greed. I mean, all these things that, that God would say are evil. That is what a worldly person looks like. And then you have godly, the godly person or godliness. What does it look like? Well, a godly person is a Christ-centered person, Right? I mean, it's a person that isn't all about themselves. It's a person that says no to certain things and says yes to the Lord. Do you see what it said in verse 12? Say no to the living like the world. It it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and the worldly passions and to live, listen to what it kind of describes godliness as, a self-controlled life. How many guys lack self-control? Come on, I'm raising my hand. (laughs) When when, when I get a big bag of M&M's, peanut. No self-control. Anybody with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So don't buy me any peanut M&Ms. So here's the thing. We got to have self-control and then we got to live upright and godly lives. Upright. Can I just share with you a little secret? Our world doesn't think anything about living an upright life. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing more and more un- godliness happening in our world. And it's not something that's new. It's been around forever. But everywhere I look now, I see ungodly things happening. And can I just tell you, it it grieves me. It grieves me. You know why? Because my kids are faced with a lot of crap that, that again, maybe I wasn't faced with as much, but they're just faced with a lot of hell. And it, and it grieves me, and I have to do this. I cannot, you know what I want to do? I want to give up. I want to say this isn't worth the fight, but you know what I, I can't do? I can't give up. I can't give up fighting for living an upright life. I can't give up teaching my kids how to live an upright life. It's going to be worth it. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that because it's going to be worth it. And so again, what we have two options, worldliness and godliness. Now here's the thing. I believe that one of the greatest compliments that you can get and that I can get is being called a godly person. I mean, I want you to think about that. I mean, has anybody ever said about you, you know what, that person, Joe, he's a godly man. Uh, that person, Susie, she's a godly woman. You know, that cowboy's a godly cowboy. You know that teenager? Godly man, godly teenager. Has that ever been said about you? Listen, God desires for us to be godly. And you say, okay, what does a godly person look like? Let me give you some examples. You ready? A person that is godly or that, that, that is, is, has received Christ and, and is growing in their godliness. Listen, a person is, is the person who makes decisions based on God's word. Again, 
We want to read everything but what God's word says when we're trying to make a decision. Listen, and I face it just like you face it. When you make a decision about how to spend your money, when you make a decision about how to discipline your kids, when you make a decision on especially who to marry, when you make a decision on all of the things in this life, you should go to the, God, the God's word. A godly person goes to God's word and says, God, what do you want me to do? A godly person pursues God's dream for your life and says, I, how do I live that dream out? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, is this making sense? And so here's another thing. A, a godly person is a person that prayerfully considers what God wants and does what he wants. It's an obedient person. A godly person is a parent is, that, who is consistent in training his or her child on how to live for the Lord. This one's hard. Uh, because we're so busy, right? I mean, the preacher's even busy. It's hard for me to sit down with my kids and go, hey, son, let me tell you something about forgiveness. When your sister pokes your eye out, (laughs) you need to forgive her. (laughs) When your brother hits you in the head with a sword, (laughs) you need to forgive him, you know? I mean, again, it has to be taught. Those are godly parents. If you want to be a godly parent, you got to teach your kids how to live for Christ. Uh, a, a godly person is a committed church worker. <laughs> I love this one. A godly person is a committed church worker, someone that shows up early and leaves late. I love people that do that. And you say, Bo, you never asked me. I can't ask everybody. You have to volunteer. I may get on the phone and start asking everybody. But here's the truth. A godly person is a person that serves the church. That doesn't just go, hey, feed me, Bo. Feed me the word of God. I'm going to take in everything. I'm going to become an obese, obese Christian. I'm going to have my Bible belt on the last hole. And I'm just going to take it all in and never work out my own life with Christ. Listen, a godly person works it every day. A godly person exercises their faith every day and serves the church. A, a, a godly person is a person who lovingly and openly shares the gospel with other people. Again, some of you guys are scared to do this. It's the greatest blessing that you'll ever have. When you have somebody that doesn't know Christ and you open your mouth and you say, hey, guess what? You know the reason my marriage works? It's because I love Jesus Christ. You know the reason my kids are okay and not just screw-ups? It's because I love Jesus Christ. You know why I have a steady job? It's because I love Jesus Christ. We open our mouths and we say, this is why I'm blessed. That's what a godly person does. He doesn't hide it. Again, I use the example of my wife. I don't take my wedding ring off and go, man, my wife and I, we have a private relationship. No one needs to see that I'm married to her. That's stupidity. And it's the same way with Christ. Sometimes we want to be private about our relationship. We're not supposed to be private. We're supposed to be public. And so again, uh, a godly person is, is a person that gives God all the glory for everything. When something good happens, I don't go, yep, worked hard for that. I deserve it. No, I go, you know what? I want to say that. How many, how many people want to say that? Uh, thank you for being honest. I mean, seriously, <laughs> some of you guys are like, man, I'm too godly. I don't say that. I don't even think that. How would you think that? You're the preacher. Now, listen, sometimes we want the glory, but here's the truth. A godly person gives God the glory. Um, And when we don't give God the glory, guess what we do? We say, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't give you the glory. Now I give you the glory, right? 
And so here's the thing. To gain godliness, here, I'm going to recap again. To gain godliness, we must go and tell. And then to gain godliness, we must be saved. Number three is this. All right, you ready for this? Number three is this. Gaining godliness comes at a cost. Gaining godliness comes at a cost. Can I just tell you another, uh, the, I, I believe this, and I, again, I'm not a cattle guy, but I know a lot of cattle guys, and they're experts at this, and so I asked for their advice, but here's the number one factor in cattle gain. You ready for this? Or in making a profit. You know what, you know what it is? The cost of gain. Some of you guys that went to ag business, you know, you think, you think about it. The cost of gain. And you say, okay, Bo, explain what the cost of gain is. Well, let me give you this example. If I had a steer and it weighed 750 pounds, that's the beginning weight. That's when I received that steer. But then at the end, when I'm trying to sell that steer, if he weighs 950 pounds, then how much weight did he gain? 200 pounds, Right. Now, here's the thing. He gained 200 pounds, but here's what I got to consider when gaining that weight. I got to consider what did it cost me to gain that 200 pounds, right? It's called the cost of gain. Now, here's the truth. If the cost of gain costs more than the profit, then I lose, right? When you go to sell that calf, if you don't make more than what it costs to gain that weight, then you lose money. But if the cost of gain is less than the profit, then I win, right? Then I profit on that steer. And so here's the thing. There are three things that we have to consider. Number one is this, and the first two aren't fun. You ready for this? You ready for the not fun part? How many of you guys want to hear the bad news before you hear the good news? Yeah, I I do too. Number one is this. To grow in godliness, we have to first count the cost. You got to count the cost. Look at uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. It says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. (laughs) Anybody ever done something and you didn't get it done and everybody laughed at you? A few people. Okay, can I give you an example of this? I noticed this. Uh, You guys, if you ever go down I-35 and you almost get to the Texas border, it may be right across the Texas border, right there on the right-hand side of the road for like 25 years, there was this house and it was brown. It was Brock. And, and, and I saw that house, they were building that house, and then I go by that house a year later, and guess what? It's still brown, it still has rock, but no windows. Anybody see that house? Anybody? Yes, thank you. For years, that house had not been touched. I think it even started on fire. I think somebody set it on fire, and then it burnt. Now, somebody's taken it over after 20-something years, and they've put windows in it, and I think it's the Babcock Ranch, actually. They actually bought it, and now it has windows. I just noticed that. When I thought of this scripture, I thought, man, that's that brown house. And, and that's what happened. And, and, and I, don't, I didn't laugh, you know, at these people. But listen, listen to the scripture, verse 30. Uh, they would say, there's a person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or, or what about a king uh, that would go to war against another king without first sitting uh, down with his counselors and discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the army of 20,000 soldiers march- marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. 
So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. <laughs> you know what that's saying? It's saying we got to count the cost. Um, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> um, my wife, it's her dream to have green grass in our yard. How many of you guys don't have any stinking grass at all? Like it's a sandbox. My kids have a great beach. I mean, it's a, it's a beach. We blow up a you know, pool and it's just sand. You know, my wife hates it. You know, here's why she really hates it. And she'd probably wouldn't tell you this, but I, I think it's the truth because the dirt blows inside the window and just covers the window on the inside of the house. Anybody have that? Yeah, that's why she hates it. But here's the thing. My wife wants to have green grass. Her, it's her dream to have green grass. So here's what we did. We decided, well, we're going to try to, you know, count the cost. And, and so I sat down and I said, okay, here's, here's what it's going to cost. I mean, we looked at all this stuff and, and we wrote all this stuff down. And, and, and you know how it is when you get to building something. It's always twice as much than, as what you thought. I mean, like when you tear something down and you try to build it back, it's like, dang it. We should have never started this. Well, in, in our yard, we thought, well, if we're going to put a yard in, then we have to put all the electrical underground. So we decided that we would rent a trencher, and I bought my wife a shovel. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the trencher because, you know, I mean, she's scared to drive the trencher. And so I'm riding, driving this trencher, and I'm digging all these trenches and all this stuff, and my wife's got the shovel, and she's cleaning out the trench. And we are fighting, and we hate each other. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but here's the thing. We, we, we trenched it all of ourselves. We put all the electrical underground ourselves. Um, it was amazing. Um, but then you go, okay, well, so what's next? Well, then we go to our well, and guess what? Our well is like 60 years old, and it's in this metal casing, and, and it, it doesn't hold up, and it won't hold up because we're thinking, well, we've got to consider buying a sprinkler system. We've got all these trees around our house, and so we've got to build a sprinkler system, but the well won't pump 20 minutes, you know, 20 gallons a minute, so guess what we had to do? We had to dig another well. Then you think, well, okay, that's not it. You got to buy a sprinkler system. And so again, all of these things add up and you have to consider what is it going to cost to have green grass? I can just tell you a buttload. <laughs> but it's all about my wife and her dreams need to come true. Amen, women. Can I get an Amen. I'm the best man on the planet today. <laughs> but here's the thing. You have to count the cost, right? Yeah, then I got to buy a new mower, right, man? Come on now. We got to buy a new mower. But you got to count the cost. What is it? We got to consider what's the labor going to be? What's the sweat going to be? What's the pain, the back pain? What's all that going to cost us, Right? And so here's the thing. You've got to consider the cost. Number two is this. Ready for this? Listen. The cost of gaining godliness means that we must deny ourselves. This is the crappy one. Because who the heck wants to deny themselves? Again, I go back to the peanut M&Ms. Who the heck cannot just eat all the peanut M&Ms? I don't know. I don't understand people that have candy in their house all the time and never eat it. Anybody with me? Can I get an Amen. I mean, if there's candy in the house, I'm not denying myself squat. I'm going to eat it all. But here's the thing. If we're going to follow Christ, Luke chapter 9 says, then he said, Jesus, to them all, 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And you say, okay, Bo, what's it mean to deny myself? Can I give you another example? And, and this is, again, about my beautiful wife. This is why I love my wife. When we um, began to date, when we began to date, we, um, we fell in love. Amen? That's a good thing, right? We fell in love, but we never told each other that we loved each other. I never told my wife that I loved her until the day that I um, proposed. But here's the thing. Three months before our marriage, or actually four or five months before our marriage, my wife felt called to go to Thailand. Um, we had a church that sent a lot of missionaries out. And if you say, I don't know what a missionary is. A missionary is a person that goes out and shares the good news of Jesus. And they share it with people that have never heard the gospel before. So my wife, she, she feels God leading her to go uh, to Thailand. And so she went to Thailand. She taught English as a second language. And through teaching English to Thai people, she was able to share the gospel. Now, here's the thing. I knew that I loved her before she left. She... I think knew that she loved me before she left. But here's the thing. We had to deny our love at that point so that she could be obedient to God. And here's what happened. I grew in my godliness because I had to rely on God, not my wife and not my girlfriend. And she grew in her godliness because she was in a foreign country teaching others about Jesus. And you say, well, what's it look like to deny ourselves? That is a great example. You know why I love my wife? To this day, this is one of the reasons, the great, the, it probably is the greatest reason why I married my wife, other than she's really hot. <laughs> it's this, because she loves God more than she loves me. She could have said, I'm not going to Thailand. We're going to get married. We're going to do our thing. We're going to live happily ever after. White picket fence and a sprinkler system. But she said, nope. She said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve God. For three months, she was gone. For three months, guess what? As soon as she got home, we got engaged and we got married. Can I get an amen? Now, here's the thing. I believe that God blessed our marriage because it was his will for us to be together. We had to deny ourselves for a certain period of time, and then he gave us a great marriage. Here's the truth about it. Another thing that you have to consider, let's talk about the cattle industry again. Another thing that you have to consider in the cost of gain is this, death loss. You ever thought about it? You, 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 uh, you, you buy 10 head of steers, you know, you buy 10 calves, and you got to consider in your cost of gain, you got to consider one of them dying. You got to put that in your cost of gain. One of them could die. One of them could get sick. And so you have to put in the death loss. Well, it's the same way in our lives. Here's the truth. And some of you guys need to hear this. Listen, some of you are in a relationship and I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about a dating relationship that needs to die. Some of you are at a job that you know isn't God's job for your life and it needs to die. Some of you are living in sin and you know that that sin needs to die. Because here's the truth. If you're going to grow in godliness, then you have to consider that death loss. In other words, you have to give up to receive. You know what happened before I got married? I was in a relationship with a girl that I thought I loved. And God said, you know what, Bo? I'll give you Christy Ellis. That was her name. 
I'll give her to you, but you're going to live a life of hell. Praise God that I didn't choose to marry that woman. You know why? Because I'm married to the right woman now. And so you have to let things die. Was it hard? Did I mourn that loss of that relationship? Did I cry? Absolutely. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Did I want to do it? Absolutely not. But because God wanted me to grow in my godliness, he wanted me to have the right relationship. He said, Bo, I want you to put it to death so that I can give you something better. And so we've got to deny ourselves. And, and if you think you are going to have a hunky-dory life, just because you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're a fool. You're going to have to deny yourselves from some things. And it's all for the cost of gaining godliness. But here's the great news, and I'm done. You ready for this? Number three is this. Listen, this is the best part. Don't tune out. Ready? Number three, the cost of gaining godliness is always less than the profit. Think about it. In the cattle industry, there's no guarantee that you're going to make a profit, right? You could lose your butt one year and you could win a buttload the next. There is no guarantee that you're going to gain anything in the cattle market. But here's the truth about God. There is a guarantee. You know why? The cost of gaining godliness is always less than the profit. Whatever you have to give up, whatever it's going to cost you, if you will give it up, you will gain more. Some of you guys need to hear that. The, the guarantee is this. Being godly is always worth more than the cost of gaining it. It's always worth more. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So listen to this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In other words, here's what it's saying. Just because you have to suffer on this earth, just because you have to deny yourself of certain things doesn't mean you're going to lose. We win. When we give all we've got to the Lord, when we sacrifice, when we deny ourselves, when we love him with all of our heart, we will gain a profit. It's a guarantee. Every time. Every time. Can I get a clap or can I get an amen on that? <clears throat> I mean, I mean, you think, you think, no, it's not the cost of that relationship. I, I, it's, not, it's not worth, you know, giving up that relationship. It's not worth, you know, quitting that job and doing what God wants me to do. It's not worth, you know, giving up that sinful habit and living in sin. It's not worth it. It's always worth it. Always. Always worth it. And here's the ending truth that I want to end on. The cost of gain will never exceed the price that Christ paid for us to have eternal life. <laughs> yeah. And God sent his one and only son. He only had one. He sent him to die on the cross so that you and I could be, could it be in heaven one day so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could, you know, walk through this life and actually have ble a blessing in life. 
and have eternal life. And so listen, you will never outgive God. You cannot repay him in any way. It, he did it as, as a sacrifice for you and for me. And so here's the question that I have. Have you considered the cost of gaining godliness? Have you considered it? I hope that you have. Let's pray together. You guys bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Here's a question that I have. Most of you, if not, uh, well, most of you are Christians in this place. Here, here's, here's a question that I have for you. Are you willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him no matter the cost? Think about it. Nobody's looking around, head bowed, eyes closed. Everybody's just, you know, thinking about these questions. Are you willing to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow Christ no matter the cost. Here, here's what you may need to do. Maybe you need to pray this prayer. Listen to it. God, show me what you want me to deny. Show me what you want me to maybe put to death so that I can gain more godliness. Maybe that needs to be your prayer today. God, what is standing in the way of me growing in my godliness? Show me what it is so that I can deny it, so that I can either put it to death and so that I can grow in my godliness. Listen, you will profit more by denying yourself or putting that to death. Here's the other thing. How many of you would say, you know what, Bo? I'm willing to pay the price for gaining godliness because I know that I will profit more than I, than I have to give. I mean, again, maybe you just need to recognize that. You know what? I'm going to profit more. If I will just give up whatever it is that I'm holding on to, whether it's my heart and I haven't let Jesus in yet, whether it's my marriage and I haven't let Jesus into that yet, whether it's my job, whatever it is, you... You, maybe you need to consider that and just know that whatever you give up, God is going to give you back more. It may hurt. It may sting. You may hate it. But listen, again, you are always going to profit more. So maybe you need to make that commitment today. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to say, okay, Lord, whatever it is, show me what I need to deny. Help me to count the cost of following you. And give me the strength to follow through. Now, some of you guys are here today and you, you don't know Christ personally. And, and so you, don't, you, you, you can't even start being godly until you give your life to him. Listen, you have an opportunity right now to say, okay, Lord, I know that I've not lived a righteous life. I know I've not lived like you wanted me to. And today I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I give you my life. Come into my heart Save me from my sin and help me to live for your glory. Maybe you need to pray that right there in your seat, just in your heart. You need to say those words to the Lord. Lord, I give you my life. I make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead and I want you to come into my life. Listen, if you just prayed that, you, you have been saved 
if you just gave your life and you meant it with your heart, not just lip service, not with just your mind, but you meant it with your heart, then you're saved. It's the start of a godly life. You've been given the strength to say no to sin. You've been given the strength to do what's right. You've been given the strength to count the cost and to pay the price. And so welcome Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family of God. If you've given your life to Christ, welcome. This is the beginning of a new life in Christ. Now, here's the deal. If you just did that, maybe you prayed that prayer just now. We want to know about it. Again, it's not so that we can gloat and we can say, hey, look at us. No, it's so that we can walk alongside of you. It's so that you can have friends that'll say, you know what? You need to live your life this way. You need to deny maybe this. You need to, you need to be encouraged in this. And so all we ask you to do, again, is fill out that orange card, place it in the yellow bucket, or text your name to the number on the screen, and we will contact you. It's that simple. We're not going to recognize you in front of all the church. We're not going to make you, you know, join the church. We're not going to make you do any of that. We want to just know so that we can walk alongside of you, and we can help you grow in your godliness. That's the only reason. So maybe if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe you need to fill out that card before you leave. I encourage you to do that. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. If you have questions or if you want to talk to someone, we would love to visit with you. If you're a first-time guest, we want to connect with you at the end of the service. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you paid the price so that we could become godly. Lord, we thank you that we aren't going to become godly on our own. We we thank you uh, that, that you have given us eternal life if we've trusted in you. But Lord, today, may we count the cost and know that the cost of gain is always less than the profit. And so may we live our lives in a way that honors you so that we can profit for your glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have a blessed day. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message. And if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com, or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.